0: Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner.
1: Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who wanna know what works with social media. I'm really excited about today's show. I'll be joined by Josh Horton, and we'll explore how he went from being a marketer working at an agency to becoming a nearly full-time Instagram influencer. And I got to tell you, there is a lot of content gold inside of this interview. So if you create content for any platform, you're going to want to listen to this interview. By the way, if you want to get in touch with me, podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com comes right to my inbox Now for this week's brand new discovery,
0: helping you stay alive in the social jungle. Here is this week's survival tip.
1: This week, I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What'd you find, Eric?
0: I found a great tool that allows you to install a widget on your website to showcase your Instagram stories.
1: Interesting. Tell me more.
0: Yes. So this is made by Fastory, which is spelled F-A-S-T, like fast, and then O-R-Y. So it's kind of putting the words fast and story together. Mm. And what they've done is they've got an official API-approved uh, widget by Instagram that allows you to see the current stories from a you know whatever account it is that you want to highlight on your website. So we could do this for Social Media Examiner. But not only that it then allows you to do the new highlights feature, which, you know, if you go to our site, it's, it's, let's see, it's Instagram.com slash SM examiner. And we've got all these little circles on our Instagram profile, which are highlights. In other words, they are Instagram stories that don't go away. We've held them there for you because we have them there as highlights of the type of story content we have produced there. And you can add those as well to this widget.
1: So, um, is this like a WordPress plugin or what is this exactly?
0: Yeah. What it is, is you, you sign up and then you log in. You, you basically, because it's an, um, because it's an official API, uh, what you do is you log in through Facebook and then you get your ATML code and you drop that in on your site.
1: Okay. Um, I don't even know what HTML code is, but I'm assuming it's some sort of little source code. So, does this? How, what's the use case here? Like, would you stick this in a sidebar, or where would you put this exactly?
0: I well, the the showcase that they've done here is they're showing, like, for example, on the New York Times, you go there, and there's a little pop up that comes up in the uh, the lower right of the site, and it's the, it's basically it's like a phone type screen sitting oh. there, and it shows you. You know Instagram Stories. It allows you to click a button to follow that Instagram account right there from the site. Huh. It shows you uh, the the content, the new story content, as well as some of the highlight little bubbles that you can click on and select those highlights to watch. So, honestly, if you're all in on Instagram, especially Instagram Stories, this might be something to consider.
1: It's kind of fascinating, actually. Um, yeah. The uh, the pricing.
0: This is free. Really? Yeah, this is free. Fast story has some other products. So I'm assuming that's this giving this widget away for free is a play uh, for that as well.
1: And I'm on their website. It looks like if you want to, uh, if you want it white labeled, meaning I guess you don't want their brand on there, it looks like you probably could get it, you know, uh, at a cost. So very, very fascinating. Have you seen this in action on any websites yet?
0: I have personally not found any that are that are doing it other than, again, their example is the New York Times. So oh. I, I assume you could go there and see it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very interesting. I know that there are some speakers who actually were talking this up at Social Media Marketing World, and they were using it.
1: Very, very, very interesting. Faststory.io is the site that I'm at. Is that where you would send people?
0: Yes. Uh, actually, I would go to widget.faststory.io.
1: Got it. Widget Thank you so much, Eric. You're welcome. And now for today's interview with Josh Horton.
0: Helping you to simplify your social safari. (laughs) Here is this week's expert guide.
1: Today, I'm excited to be joined by Josh Horton, known online as Juggling Josh. He is a marketer turned influencer with more than a million followers across all the social channels. And he also holds 12 Guinness World Records. And he's been on the Ellen Show. Josh, welcome to my show.
2: Hey, Michael. Thanks for having me.
1: So, today we're going to explore how Josh went from his corporate job as a marketer to a full time online influencer. And we're going to talk about some of the strategies that he used along the way. So, Josh, I would love to explore your story. So, where did you start? Maybe start with the marketer, you know, and working in corporate America. And how did you get here where you are right now?
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, So when I graduated college, my plan was to be a professional juggler uh, as a performer. And I was doing that for for several months. And then a a friend of a friend, kind of like a family friend, was starting this social media agency. And it just had a few people. I I was the, the eighth person they brought on. Uh, and I, I, started out the, the very low end of this totem pole, literally like deleting spam and cuss words off of Facebook pages. And for what, what
1: year is that? Just so people have context.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is, this is in, uh, I think 2012. So okay, I, cool. I graduated just 11. And it was a few months after that. And so I was working for this company part time. I was doing like 15 to 20 hours a week, depending on how much they needed me. And then the company just started to blow up. And this is, this is a company called McBeard media, which was then, uh, brought into full screen media, which is a a much bigger company um, now. And uh, so as it was growing, they kind of brought me on. I was like, hey, like, do you you want a full time job? And and I was I was still performing on the side, but there was no office, it was all working remotely. So I started doing both uh, juggling and traveling for shows and and working this full time job. And, you know, fast forward a couple years, and I was like a manager at this company and, and managing a team of coordinators and graphic designers and video editors and we were running some awesome brand campaigns but kind of the more uh deeper i fell into this job the less and less i was focusing on on juggling
1: so so what kind of stuff were you guys doing when you were back at that agency or that company like what kind of work were you doing just so people can have some context
2: yeah so we were running the kind of the day-to-day of multiple brand uh pages and so my the specific brand that i was with for a long time was sony pictures oh cool so Every movie that Sony Pictures were putting out, every movie had their own Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, sometimes Snapchat. And so uh, I think I was on the Sony team for about two years. And then my last year, I kind of moved into a different role where I was overseeing a lot of the different brands. But we were you know, doing the day-to-day. So we were writing captions for approval to the client. We were creating the, the graphics and the videos that were getting posted every day um, to these brand pages.
1: So at what point did you get the itch that you might want to go off on your own? Tell us more
2: sure so i I, I kind of call it my quarter life crisis it was uh when I was turning 25 years old I was like holy cow like I, I it was just a point where I looked and I had no gigs booked for the future like literally no no dollars of income for juggling and juggling was the thing that you know I loved the most and but it was I, a side
1: hustle right wasn't it
2: it was it was I mean side hustle but it was the also my you know where I was more passionate and you know felt um
1: like what you want to more, do more more called
2: life. to what I want to do and kind of when I just I had nothing going for it, I I just took the leap, and it was uh, my birthday was at the end of May, and then kind of in June and uh, beginning of July is when I when I finally quit my job, and I, I quit my job still with no no foreseeable income for the juggling, <laughs> which was and what year was, was this? This was a uh, summer of 2015.
1: Perfect. So what did you do once you went off on your own?
2: Uh, I started hustling, and my, my, the plan then was to be a performer. So to, to, to do what I originally planned on and being a, a half I do a lot of halftime shows. I perform at corporate events, um, you know, community things. And that, that sort of um, route was what I, what I was planning on doing is being a performer. So on stage, but I knew all this stuff about social media. So I was like, hey, like I might as well start to try to grow an Instagram following. That was a platform that I, I, I enjoyed the most. And I also kind of figured it was the easiest one to grow a following. And uh, I still, I'm still performing and I've, I've performed a lot over the last couple of years, but uh, since then um, my social media following has grown to a point where it is now making me more money than it I am as a performer.
1: Awesome. So um, what I'd love to do through the rest of this interview is kind of talk a little bit about what you did on Instagram, because it sounds like that was really instrumental in the beginning stages and yeah. maybe what you've learned along the way so others can also learn from you. And then we can start talking about uh, a little bit about what you're doing today, which is more focused on YouTube and, and how that whole influencer thing has grown. Does that sound like a good plan? Perfect. Okay. So let's talk about Instagram. Like what were you doing in the early days? And, um, and and just so people understand, like how big did you grow your Instagram account? Let's set that context out of the gate here.
2: Sure. So I I think when I quit my job, I was at about, like I was, you know, I was still posting some pretty cool stuff, but it was, you know, about three years ago now. So, so two and a half years ago when I quit my job, um, I think I was at like 8,000 followers and now I'm at 260 something thousand.
1: Perfect. So yeah. tell us about what you did with Instagram.
2: So I think what, what was good for me in the beginning was right when I was focusing on it was pretty soon after video had launched on Instagram and i think working at that company and learning learning the brand end of social media and you know, something that we would always talk about at the company was like how can you make something that's so good that people want to like comment or share on it right? right and so i think that i think that's the biggest issue that people have with their branded content is that they're posting just to post and they don't really think about you know why it's why it's not performing well or they complain that they complain that the algorithm is killing their their post when they've just been posting stuff that people don't want to see and so I kind of took, uh, took that to my own platform. And so with Instagram videos and juggling, I wasn't just putting out, you know, an unedited thing of someone holding the camera and me posting a, a juggling video. Like I was editing it to music and I would have like transitions and a fade in and a fade out. And it was really like a, a piece of content as opposed to just like, uh, you know, something that was sloppily put together. And so that, that like started to gain me um, some followers organically. And then I also like found a lot of these like viral video accounts on Instagram that you know that are just like millions of followers that all they do is post other people's content all the time, and so that's how I ga- gained a lot of followers for a while. Was uh, those pages reposting my my videos, my trick shots? Was
1: that with and, or without permission? Just out of curiosity,
2: uh, some of both. Interesting, um, you know. It's as funny because tagged me. I was okay with it.
1: It's funny because uh, I've had Zach King on my show. <laughs> Excuse me, multiple times, and he told me, you know, when he got started with Vine, um, it wasn't until someone had "quote unquote" stole his um, vines and sewed them all together into like a compilation video mm-hmm. and put them up on Facebook and YouTube that all of a sudden all this interest, um, you know, happened. And because obviously it was about him, and these are about you, you kind of have a similar story, right. and that, that's kind of fascinating. So. So, so you you found that these other accounts started resharing your stuff, and then all of a sudden, everybody was like, "Who is this Josh Horton guy?" Is that kind of what started happening?
2: Yeah, it's you know slowly started to build, and, and yeah, reaching out to those other pages, and I started uh, you know collabing with other influencers. You know, I was the, the best part about you know I think while I, while I was still like a reason why I will still keep performing and traveling is because traveling is a really easy way for me to justify flying somewhere for a collab. So like now, whenever I have a halftime show. I'm seeing what other influencers are in that area, making videos with them, whether it's on Instagram or YouTube uh, to help grow my followings there. And so that was something just real quick.
1: When you say halftime show, what do you mean by that?
2: Oh, I perform at a lot of NBA and college halftime shows. So juggling that's, Ah, that's sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, why don't don't you tell,
1: tell people what makes you unique? Cause they're listening and they may not have seen your stuff. Like explain kind of some of the juggling stuff you do that meant that might not be typical.
2: Uh, sure. So, uh, as you said, like I've, 12 Guinness World Records. Most of those are for juggling. Uh, I've got nine gold medals and world championships for juggling. Um, but this is a you know a totally separate non-social media marketing thing that I kind of decided with my my juggling is I I really wanted to focus on the halftime shows. And so I have my normal juggling website, but I also have like a halftime show specific website. It's like basketballjuggler.com. And I juggle basketballs. I wear a jersey and shorts and pull off my pants while juggling like the, you know, like the breakaway basketball pants. And uh, so I really created like a, the the ultimate halftime show, and so that's how I made a living for for uh, you know a couple of years. There was just doing these NBA and college halftime shows.
1: Got it. So back to your Instagram account. So yep. um, I know that I know that you've learned um some stuff that we talked about before we got on this call together that are kind of some tips beyond just creating a video that has some music and is nicely produced um things like strategies around thumbnail and 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 stuff like that can you kind of share some of the things that you learned along the way for others who are trying to go grow their instagram account
2: sure uh so it's obviously always changing and a a big change is when they brought out the explore uh feature and so now uh your thumbnails are more important than ever you know used to be You'd get most of your views and your fo- and and likes, whatever, just from your followers. So the thumbnail wasn't that important because it was auto-playing and um, you know your followers were seeing it. But now a huge percent of my views are coming from like a f- fewer percent of my views are coming from my followers, and then a, a big percent is coming from Explore. So that means that you want the, that all they're seeing when they're going through those you know grids and grids and grids of videos and pictures on Explore. Um, you want something that you want people to click on. So just, just like YouTube strategy, just like, like Facebook, anything else, um, you want that thumbnail to be, um, to be something that people want to click on.
1: I don't actually manage uh, our Instagram account, so I'm not super active on Instagram. Um, do, do they provide insights into you to tell you kind of where people discovered you and where they're watching and where they ultimately Shit. became followers?
2: they do they they recently rolled out some new analytics which were really nice so it, it tells you like what percent of your views are from um uh, explore and what percent are from your home and that 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 rolled out pretty recently um so talk so about your
1: thumbnail strategy like a little bit like what tips would you give to people on creating thumbnails that are going <laughs> to get people to click on them
2: sure so the, i mean the biggest thing is to choose one <laughs> i think the, the biggest thing that i'll go through a lot of brand accounts and a video will start with a fade which is black and then you go to their page and you just see a lot of black squares. And like I see it all the time. And I'm just like, oh, you're not doing yourself any favors. It looks bad in your profile. No one's gonna click on it and on explore. And so the biggest thing is just remember to do it. And if you if you post and then you after you know, a few minutes later you're like, oh shoot, I forgot to do it. Don't just ignore it. Delete delete it's worth deleting and, and reposting because it's gonna be on your profile for forever and you don't want those black squares. And you can't you can't change it after you post it. So the biggest thing is just to remember to do it. Um, and then after that, it's, it's just about like, you know, finding the best frame. And now sometimes when I'm making an Instagram video, I'm even thinking about the thumbnail, um, before, you know, as we're shooting, I want to make sure that there's something that people want to click on. And then there's ways to, you know, you can't upload a thumbnail like you can on YouTube. Um, but if, if there's a, a time where I think there's there's not a very good thumbnail, you can like have, have your video fade to black and then a few seconds later add in one frame your video
1: oh that's a really good you, strategy
2: then you choose that frame and so I'll, I'll mess with that every once in a while and i know we we talked about this earlier we can get into that more i i, I think that uh you know having text and stuff on your within your instagram video or on, on photos isn't the best practice but i think the one exception is creating meme text uh specifically for your thumbnail and, and meme text is you know i mean the white bars and the black the black text to look, you know, like a, like those viral Facebook videos or whatever. And people have just been trained when they see that, that that means it's something funny or something amazing. And so sometimes I won't, I won't have that. I won't have the meme bars be there for the entire video, but I will make that the thumbnail. Just so um,
1: people don't, just in case they don't understand what you're talking about. Is that where you kind of, kind of take like a 16 by nine frame and then put black bars above and below and then put text over the black is that what what i'm hearing yeah, you say? yeah
2: well white white bars black text usually oh uh, got it okay right right so any look, any yeah. tips
1: on like what kind of text you put in there for your videos just out of curiosity like is there certain kinds of things that seem to get people to play
2: um you know it, it depends on what you're posting obviously i i did one recently that would just like wait for it mm. in big text and so you know they, they make sure they have, they'll they'll watch through um oh,
1: that's very smart.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rich. I, I think, you know, I don't have any official data on this, but I think retention, you know, is a big thing for videos on Instagram. So I think if you have, give them a reason to watch to the end, that's going to be good. Um, I recently had a video on Instagram, do 3 million views. And it was like this little kid who could stack dice, which is like a, a unique skill. Huh. And the, the, the meme text was just five-year-old Dax dice or, uh, dice stacking genius. And so I guess, you know, it's just something that grabs your attention. Like what the heck is dice stacking? What the heck is a like five-year-old doing it? So anything, I, you know, I think that it can be
1: now. How, now okay. So th- that's awesome. And by the way, I want to circle back. You said, don't put text on photos. So sure. does that mean for everybody out there who's creating these quote graphics and stuff that they're not necessarily going to perform as well? Or does it just depend on what your channel objective is?
2: I think it definitely depends on uh, on your channel. And and if you're, if you're if your brand is quote graphics and inspirational things, I think that can work. But I think, you know, something I did when I was working at McBeard was did a pretty big audit of the most successful brands on Instagram. And I think I looked at the top 20 most followed and engaged, um, accounts. And it was like of those 20, 19 of them hadn't used any graphic text, in the last like three weeks or whatever I looked at, so no huh. logos on their photos, no nothing. It was just you know organic, awesome photos, awesome videos.
1: Oh, really interesting part about the logos. So you don't even recommend like a branding or watermarking with your brand. Um, you just recommend a photo in general. Is that what I hear you saying on both your yeah, vi- videos, mean, obviously, the, you videos know, these as are, well?
2: Sure. I mean, these are brands like. Uh, these are brands like Adidas and uh Chanel, or you know all those things yeah, that had they, they obviously had their branding in the photo, but there's no point if it's a Nike
1: photo oh yeah 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 that scope, makes sense. there's no
2: there's no point of putting a Nike watermark when there's already a Nike shoe in it, I think
1: very good um any tips on how to get our videos into the um you know to be discovered by Instagram so they can be found in that area where you get you know featured
2: yeah, explore yeah um so I think it's kind of you know people talk about the Facebook algorithm how it you know it shows you it shows your post to a few of your followers, and then depending on the engagement there, it will boost it to Explore, and based on how many people click on it with Explore, it'll show it to more people on Explore, right? Um, and so I think a big thing there is your engagement within the first few minutes of posting. And and so when I whenever I post, um, well, first of all, we, we, I know we're gonna talk about Instagram Stories here in a little bit, but one thing I, I often do is use Instagram Stories to uh, prime my followers for a post. And so either I'll, I'll give them like a warning or I'll say, I just posted. So I'll say, Hey, like, you know, I'm posting in 10 minutes, who's going to get the first comment or, you know, I'll do some sort of giveaway if they, if they like and comment within the first few minutes of posting. Um, and I think Instagram stories is a really good way to generate those. those oh, quick... so you're
1: using Instagram stories to get them to comment on your normal Instagram posts is what I'm hearing you say. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and you go live to do that or are you just I don't go live just okay. stories. Just, Got just it.
2: Normal post. Huh. And sometimes I'll even delete, you know, I'll delete the story after the first few minutes because it's, it's served its purpose of, um, Fascinating. getting people to see in the first few posts. Huh. Um, now why and, do, now why are
1: you doing that? Because you feel like that engagement metric is going to be really important to somehow signal Instagram that this thing is hot. Is that kind yeah, of,
2: yeah, I think, yeah, we it's kind of, you know, there's no, uh, actually I have heard from someone at Instagram, like, tell me that if you get likes and comments from, especially from like other. Um, fans but also other big pages within the first few minutes of posting it's going to help your post perform better in the long run well i remember
1: gary vaynerchuk doing this like a year ago where he had on his firsters or whatever he called it right where they would all post like crazy but yeah
2: he's still doing it uh first in line i think is his new thing it used to be a 60 second club
1: yeah exactly fascinating so is there any other techniques that you think are important is there a time-based thing where the stuff that's that Instagram features has to be within 24 hours, or can it sometimes go on for days or weeks? I'm curious,
2: uh, like how long it lives on Explorer? Yeah, exactly. Uh, oh yeah, I mean it can stay there for a really long time. Um, really? Like like that that post that I told you had three million, like it it, it got like another million a couple like weeks after it had been in there. So like that's kind of the only way to extend the life of an Instagram post is if you get on the Explore section because. Usually, your followers are done seeing it within forty-eight hours. I think.
1: Is there any kind of um, keywords or anything that are somehow related to to um, the way you write up the description that are also showing up in the explore area? Like, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud here. Like, if there are certain keywords in there, and they know people are interested in juggling, then they're going to show the juggling stuff to the jug people that are interested in juggling.
2: I I would love to know more on that. I I think hashtags can definitely play a part, but I I know like when you're going through Explore, there are like video playlists. Like I'm just, I'm scrolling through right now, and I see one that's called like yo-yos, and I'm sure they're showing it to me because you know in the world of Instagram videos, yo-yos is somewhat similar to juggling, right? And so there, there's a whole playlist of yo-yo videos, and not all of them use hashtag yo-yo in the description. So I I, I would love to know how they Got it. You know how 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 they identify those things, but. Um, I think there's, you know, maybe, maybe keywords, maybe it's hashtags, maybe it's just who's following who, you know, there's, there's a lot that is beyond me.
1: <laughs> Fascinating. So over to Instagram stories, beyond you using stories to kind of, um, incentivize your followers to comment, is there anything else you're doing with stories?
2: Uh, sure. So I, I, when I think of stories, like I think a lot about, um, you know, the old, old Gary Vee stuff of like jab, jab, right hook. And so, it is such a good way to get people to, you know, do something, you know, leave, leave their stories to go do whatever you want, especially with a swipe up feature uh, and all of that. So I, I try, I'm, I, I'm bad about it. And I try to do two more of like, just making Instagram stories, something that is easily digestible behind the scenes. Sometimes I'll even post like old videos that are ju- you know, that are just there just to be good Instagram story content, uh, to keep people engaged so that when I do ask them hey, go like my post or hey, swipe up for a new YouTube video. Um, they don't feel like that's the only thing I post on stories. Um, so I would say the biggest thing is kind of like the behind the scenes of my life. Um, do
1: you like when you're yeah. about to go out in an NBA game? Do you ever just do a little quick story? Hey, I'm here at the oh yeah Lakers game or whatever and uh, super excited about to go out. Here's the audience, you know, that kind of stuff.
2: Totally. That's exactly it. Yep.
1: Cool. Um, and um, are you using the highlights? feature much at all to bring some of those stories into some sort of a permanent kind of thing or have you not messed around with that
2: i'm not and i'm just i'm i'm waiting for the right idea Uh, you know i want to do something unique and i I wish there was kind of an easier way to organize it like right now if you like i some people have used like the you know they they post something on their story that's basically like a logo for whatever category and i think it looks super nice and i just haven't like right haven't haven't wrapped my head around how to um how to use it yet but, but but i think it's an awesome feature and i and i've loved some people that have been taking good advantage of it
1: Okay. So at what point on your Instagram journey, did you start to realize that this was a way that you can make money? Talk to us a little bit about how, <laughs> how you did that.
2: Sure. Um, well, one thing I forgot to mention, which how I got a huge boost in followers was I was featured by at Instagram. So Insta- like their, their Instagram account. So that was something. You know, ah, talking so talking how does, up, how does that work?
1: How does that work? Every once in a while, they'll just randomly feature certain people on Instagram?
2: basically they do you know they do a lot you know they're, they're more of like an artistic type of channel but every once in a while they do you know they want to um appeal to everyone so they'll do the occasional sports video and and whatnot but it was um world juggling day you know it's one of those kind of like fake holidays <laughs> right uh, and i i did have a contact at instagram and i just kind of pitched them the idea i was like hey like i uh you know i think it'd be cool to feature feature a juggler for, uh, World juggling day, and I can be that guy, and so I got a, a you know more followers than I've ever gotten in a day on
1: okay on, uh, this, begs, this begs this yeah. begs an interesting question. Have you ever used a publicist or has this always been you just kind of hustling and promoting yourself?
2: Oh, it's always just me
1: fascinating yeah. and do you think the Instagram account has actually helped you get more real world juggling gigs
2: uh a little bit uh, I talk about that a lot because I have a lot of circus juggler friends who are always asking for business advice on how to use social media, book more gigs. And I would say I've, I've booked very few, um, from, from my social media, but some of the other, like, you know, being on some of these TV shows and stuff have been more from social media, but less, you know, I'm not booking like a lot of halftime shows or corporate events because they see an Instagram video.
1: Got it. Okay. So, so back to the, um, somewhere along the line, you started figuring out how to make money with your Instagram following. Talk to us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, uh, I think my first one was for like $150. And I was at, I don't remember how many thousands of followers. uh, And it just kind of fell in my lap. I think someone reached out to me and was like, hey, it was for uh, Chevrolet was doing some sort of like soccer campaign. And I don't know how that how they found my account. And I was pretty small. And they just, you know, Hey, you take a picture with some soccer, juggling some soccer balls and use this hashtag and we'll pay you this money. I was like, ah.
1: Did you have to have a <laughs> cool. uh, car in the background that was one of their cars or something like that?
2: No, no car. just just me juggling soccer balls. Um, huh. So that, that was the first one. And, um, but just, been, but there must've
1: been some text or something that mentioned. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. It was, you know, using, using the hashtag and talking about their, uh, whatever their, I don't even remember. I need to go look good. I would need to go look at, at yeah, the post, something to do with something you, to do with they, they their were doing cars. A soccer, soccer yeah. campaign. Yeah. Cool. Um, and yeah, that was the first one and I was like, Hey, that was pretty easy and fun. And, um, there's been, there's been a ton of brands since then.
1: So kind of talk to us a little bit about like how that works. Cause there's probably a lot of people right now who have not done this and don't know exactly, you know, how all this works and stuff like this. And has this become a pretty significant source of income for you?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, Um, so the, the biggest thing is, you know, how, how do they come in? And I, I would love to know how, I would love to know how some of these people find me because it's a lot of agencies representing brands you know, it's, it's rarely someone immediately from the brand, um, reaching out to me. That's happened a few times, but, um, it's a lot of these like digital marketing agencies and someone reaches out and they tell me about the campaign they're running, ask if I want to be a part and then we kind of figure out the details of how many posts on what platforms for how much money. Uh, and, um, depending on the client, you know, there's different levels of, uh, flexibility and, um, you know, creative freedom on my end. Um, but then end up, um, you know, with, with the posts and usually everyone's happy.
1: So are, is it like you juggling like toothbrushes and stuff? I mean, are we talking about like taking your juggling craft and like taking their product and somehow integrating it together? Is that generally how they're working with you?
2: Something like that. You know, it's it's not always so like just juggle our product, you know, usually it tries to be a little bit more natural than that. Right. Um but sometimes it's not. So, like, I'm doing a post um, next week for this new sparkling water called Bubbly um, Ellen DeGeneres and uh, Neil Patrick Harris, have promoting it. And so, yeah, I'm, like, I'm balancing six cans on my head while juggling. Their, 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 their whole campaign is super bright neon colors. And so I'm balancing, um, I think, four cans on my head while, bal- while juggling four juggling clubs. And the clubs match the colors of the cans. And it's just, like, a cool-looking photo. Um, uh, that- other times, we did a campaign for Carnival Cruises where they sent me and my my YouTube partner, Jake, who we'll talk about later, but they sent us on a cruise, and the prompt was, post this many times proving to your followers that you're having a good time on a cruise. And oh, it was, awesome. that was it. And like, wow. there was no 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 other guidelines, uh, you know, tag carnival, and just show that you're having a good time.
1: And they paid you and you got to go on a free cruise? Oh yeah. That's
2: awesome. Um, and then like a recent one, this was like a couple weeks ago, it was for Reebok, and Reebok was doing like a specific contest Called the fastest feet challenge where everyone was you know they, they hired several influencers to basically jump over a line really quickly you know like a like an exercise um and challenge their fans to beat uh to beat my score and if they submit you know if they submit their video that we're using a hashtag then they could win a trip to dallas for the for a you know a, a big sports event and so that was one where you know it was a very specific prompt and i had to I, you know i had to find a way to make it A little bit more natural to my followers so of course i did it while juggling um and um but i would say that's kind of the more typical one is like encouraging there's a lot of campaigns where it's encouraging fans to participate in something um and doing doing one on friday for jack in the box and the la lakers of you know wearing they're doing like a you you, use this hashtag with a picture of you wearing your sunglasses while watching a lakers game for the sunglasses at night campaign and you could win um, you know, this or
1: that. So do you find, do you find that there's advantage to you beyond monetary advantage when you're working with some of these big brands, because maybe they end up promoting Josh Horton, you know, on some of their other channels. And all of a sudden it kind of is a win-win that goes beyond just you promoting them to your audience, or is it mostly just, sure. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely like some, uh, sometimes when you know they're you know big accounts like reebok are retweeting my tweet or i i had a, a mcdonald's one i did work for mcdonald's um a couple months ago and so you know some of their accounts are huge and so getting posted by them is always good um i was getting
1: more th- fans and followers as a result of that right
2: sure sure
1: so um has this gotten to the point where it's now you know like the, the amount of income that you're making is now challenging you to decide whether you want to keep doing these performances or not.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Um, and you know, I think there's, uh, some clashing business advice that, you know, that I, I went to school for business and have a lot of business savvy friends. And, you know, one thing would be, you know, you want several sources of revenue, right. uh, and I can, I can almost guarantee a certain amount of money from halftime shows. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm well in that market and I know how to book those shows, um, but they take a lot of time and they're making me less money than the other stuff. And, but you can't guarantee that Reebok is just going to call with a brand deal that day. So huh. uh, it's, it's something I'm struggling with. But w- one exciting thing is that my wife is uh, going to be joining me soon to help run, run the logistics of things. So hopefully she will be able to also, you know, be reaching out. And that's, that's how some of these brand deals are coming is me reaching out to brands that I like. And you know, whether that's on email or LinkedIn or, or DMS on Twitter even have, have turned into brand deals. Um, and so having her handle some things will, will also, will also help.
1: Let's talk about YouTube. Um, cause I know it's yeah. your big focus right now. So why don't you describe what you and your, your partner are doing on your YouTube channel and kind of what your plans are with that?
2: Sure. Uh, so, you know, YouTube, I think is so tough. Like it, it, it's a platform where I think you have the greatest potential for earnings and, and that's not why yeah, I didn't do any of the social media stuff to it to make a living it kind of fell on my lap but then you know i'm obviously here and trying to figure it all out um but youtube is definitely the place where you can uh earn the most and um for both from brand deals but also from the ad revenue right and so i was kind of scared of it you know especially while i was doing all the halftime shows and by myself it was just like to, to do it right you need to be posting a lot you need to be posting longer videos you need to be uh doing so much and while when it was just me it was like almost too much to handle and I had something just kind of like fall perfectly in place. Like it was a, a friend of a friend was uh, his name was Jake and he was leaving a job that he'd been at for a while. And I just like found his or he like we connected on Facebook. And he'd just been making just like these really funny, really well edited videos for his like basically just for his friends. Like he wasn't trying to be a social media star, wasn't trying to get famous or anything, but was really good with the camera, really good at editing and really funny on camera. And I just kind of told him, hey, hey, like I can't promise you any money right now. But if you want to come move to Dallas and uh, try to do YouTube with me, like, I think we can make something happen. And uh, he, he took the risk. And so Jake joined me last July. And when he joined, we were about at – or I was at like 20,000 subscribers. And now we're at 100, almost 114,000 we'll hit today. Uh, uh, what's the name of the channel? Our channel is called Jake and Josh. Uh, so it was, it was Juggling Josh. But then a little bit after, we, after he joined, um, it is now Jake and Josh.
1: So tell me kind of what you're doing on that channel and how that's different than what you're doing over on Instagram.
2: Sure. Uh, So I wanted YouTube to be a way to, you know, for me, even before Jake joined, a way for me to become more than just a juggler and to add personality, you know, add a personality to the skills that most people have seen. So like on Instagram, it's kind of hard besides with stories. It's hard in a few seconds to post something that people want to like, comment, share on, for me, you know, like on, on trick shots, like they could they, they would love my trick shots or juggling or whatever, um, but they wouldn't really know the, the, the man behind it or the personality behind it. Right. And so you, YouTube, because it's long form, is a, such a good way to do that. And so um, and I also wanted to just be known for more than just juggling. And that's kind of where the world record thing came in. And so I, I started before Jake came every every single Wednesday. Breaking a world record, so breaking or setting a world record, and and a lot of them aren't official or you know um, or anything, but just to do that, and it's a way for me to show that I'm skilled, but also skilled in more things besides just. So, so wait a it.
1: minute. So every Wednesday you publish a video where you're 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 either challenge you're exceeding some sort of world record or you're making something that has never been done before. That's kind of a world Correct. record. Like, for, give us an example.
2: Uh, so we, um, we have the world, we have the Guinness world record for most marshmallows caught in your mouth in a minute. And that's (laughs) that's our our official one. Were they
1: they mini ones just to be just out of curiosity? No,
2: no, this is a Guinness one. So they had to be the big ones. Oh, really? Okay. But you're catching and spitting. So it's not like you're keeping Uh. them in your mouth.
1: Got it, okay. Because
2: uh, I think it was like 42 in a minute, which is pretty, pretty impressive. I dare anyone out there listening to beat that. Uh, now, uh, okay,
1: so let's pause on the marshmallow thing for a second. So sure. how do you make that, since it's only a minute, how do you make that into a video that's kind of more of a story? Talk to us a little bit about how oh, you guys sure. did that. Well,
2: I, I kind of randomly picked that one, but this is a perfect example. We actually were asked to be on the Today Show to break a world record. <laughs> and we were like, oh yeah, we could do that one and we failed on national television so that was a, that was a bummer so we kind of we vlogged the whole trip to new york for the for the shoot we then we showed the footage of us failing and then we were like all right we 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 we, we, lost, we didn't do it on tv but we need to do this and so then we showed us in the gym breaking it and then we ended up sending in our, our video proof and got the got the official guinness world record
1: so so all that was essentially compiled into one video
2: is that oh what yeah, I, yeah.
1: So, are you also showing the frustration after you guys got off the show that you weren't able to break the record, or do, you, or are you yep. just, yep, okay, cool? So it's, so yeah. it's kind of like a little journey with you guys of how you're like do, trying to do these things. People love it when you don't do it successfully. I don't know exactly. what it is, but they, they, you look more human, right, when you actually don't succeed,
2: right? Did that? Then, bit, I will, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, that was something we kind of learned. Like we, when we first started, all of our YouTube videos were probably three to four, <laughs> maybe maybe five minutes, and. Uh, we really started seeing growth and better engagement and more, more like longer retention, and everything when we started posting longer videos. So it was like, we could just show the complete world record, but now we definitely show the, uh, you know, the journey, the past, the struggles, the fails, all of that. And people love that so much more. Um, I'll tell
1: you one I saw. I'll tell you about one I saw recently where you were throwing an ax at a tree. And you had paint cans attached to the tree, and you <laughs> and you had like either purchased or leased this super expensive slow motion camera, right? <laughs> yep, yep. And yep. and in one of the scenes, um, all the paint splattered all over the camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's and awesome. I was like, "What?" You know. And I just thought that was so cool.
2: Is that? Yeah, the- that, was, that was fun. That was uh, our friends' legendary shots or other influencers. So they they own a a Phantom slow mo camera, which is like over sixty thousand dollars. Um, how in the world did so just out
1: of curiosity how did how long did it take you guys to clean that sucker off
2: it didn't take too long okay you, know, you, can, take it, you can take it apart and yeah it was, it was all everything was fun <laughs> but yeah that was fun and, and that you know that, that was one of our videos we don't we we moved from doing once a week once once jake joined now we post every monday every wednesday every saturday so monday and Saturdays are just kind of other other videos that are usually involve some sort of skill not necessarily um but
1: how long does it take you to produce one of those um one of those episodes?
2: Um, usually about maybe four hours of editing, and then it really depends on the type of video. For the how so you guys
1: time. have it down to a rocket science. Uh, uh, Grant Thompson's a friend of mine who um, oh yeah who does the King of Random, and he, it used to take him like over a hundred hours to produce every episode of his show. Oh my gosh, which was nuts, and he was trying to do it like. Mythbusters kind of quality. You know what I mean? Super, sure. super high-end stuff. And and it wasn't until he really got it down to a system that was manageable that he could get to the point where he could publish every day. And that's when his channel just exploded. And, it, right. and, and the lower quality stuff turned out to actually be more fascinating to viewers than the super produced stuff. Are you finding that to be true as well?
2: Definitely true. And yeah, yeah, like I, I tell people this like Jake is an awesome cinematographer, like can do make awesome works of art, but nothing that you see on our YouTube channel is like that because it's more of a run run and gun, just get it done and upload. Like we don't even color grade anything. Like it is just pretty raw thrown why, together. You know, why we, we, is it?
1: Why is it? Because that seems so counter to what the Instagram experience is, right? Why does it mm-hmm. why is it that way over there on YouTube? What's your thoughts on that?
2: I think people just like feeling like they're uh, in the room with you. We we uploaded a video yesterday. We, we had a hundred thousand subscriber party. Uh, like, so we, we invited subscribers and uh, fans and, you know, friends and family to, you know, to a place where we had some games and fed them dinner and whatever. Uh, so we just kind of showed some of the footage from that. And then the rest of the video was just like us on the couch talking about the party. And Jake and I are in on the video are like, hey, like this is kind of kind of a boring video, but whatever, whatever. But we got several comments that said, hey, no, like I like videos like this. I feel like it's just a chill session. Like we're just we're just in the room with you guys. And so I think that's what it is. Like people want to feel like they're your friends, like they're right there with you, not watching a movie or a TV show.
1: Do you feel like the people over on YouTube are a different demographic than the ones you've got over on Instagram?
2: Um, they, I mean, I think age, all that stuff could be similar, but I think they're definitely different people. Like I I was very surprised when I started taking my Instagram or started taking YouTube seriously. I was very surprised and discouraged of how few of my Instagram followers I could get to transfer over to YouTube. And I think it's a few things. I think people, you know, there's like those YouTube people out there, like they love YouTube. Like when they, when they have free time, they're on YouTube, they're watching YouTube videos. They love their favorite YouTubers. And then there are people that are the opposite and they're on Instagram. And so, you know, you're diehard fans, you can get to switch over, but. Um, I think people definitely have their, their platform of preference and unless they're like the mega fans and you're not going to be able to get them to necessarily switch over for you.
1: The last question I want to ask is for anybody who's listening right now, who, um, has a desire to be a paid influencer Mm. on whatever video platform they choose, um, what kind of tips or advice do you have for them?
2: um i mean uh, the biggest one that comes to mind right away would be you know have a have a page that's brand friendly you know that that seems like such a simple thing but i've got some friends there you know what does that what,
1: me, are, yeah, what does that mean
2: sure so they're, they're asking me okay like, hey, like i don't understand why i'm not getting stuff and then they're they're cussing in their videos or even if they're not you know talking on their videos they're using you know vulgar music in their videos right, or whatever right. so it's like you want stuff that brands want to partner with. And obviously there are some brands that are okay with that stuff, but most are not. (laughs) And so that's, that's probably the biggest, you know, or, you know, they, they're comedy, comedy creators, but they, they use a lot of innuendo or drugs or alcohol or whatever to promote, you know, to be, to be funny or to in their skits or whatever. So the biggest thing for me, I think is just to be, as brand friendly as possible.
1: You almost need to think of yourself like an athlete, right? Because oh, yeah. the brands don't want to be around the athletes that are troublemakers, right? Cause they don't want their right. brand affiliated with that in any way. Right. But right. but those are who, who are, who have a certain like excitement and energy and vibe about them, but seem to not be getting into controversial areas are probably more appealing to brands. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Definitely. Awesome. Well, Josh, uh, first of all, this has been a fascinating, um, conversation, I would love you to tell people where they can find you on Instagram, where they can find you on YouTube and any other place you would love to send them.
2: Sure. Yeah. I mean, if you type in juggling Josh to anything, including YouTube, it'll, it'll pop up. Our YouTube channel is Jake and Josh. Um, but juggling Josh on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, everything else.
1: And if any brands want to reach out to you that are listening, is there any particular place you want to send them?
2: Um, you can, you can always message, message me on any of those platforms, but also, um, you know, my website is, uh, joshhorton.net and there's contact info there.
1: Awesome. Josh Horton, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom and experience yes. with
2: us. Thanks, Michael.
1: Well, I hope you got a lot of value out of today's interview. If there's anything that we mentioned and you missed it, socialmediaexaminer.com slash 300. Woo. Can you believe it? We hit the 300th episode. That's crazy. Hey, listen, uh, I want to just say a couple things. I appreciate you for listening and being part of this journey with me, especially if you've been here for a long time or even all the way since the beginning. Uh, If you've never gotten around to doing it, I'd love a rating and or a review. I'd love to find out what you think about it. Um, And if you're new to this show, don't forget to subscribe. We've got some amazing content coming. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelsner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change
0: your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner.